Hello and welcome back to the latest Think Business podcast powered by Bank of Ireland. Founded by Irish entrepreneurs, Intercom is one of Ireland's greatest indigenous tech success stories and is one of several Irish unicorns now worth more than one billion apiece. The business is focused on growing its revenues from 200 million to more than one billion dollars in the coming years. Leading this endeavour is software industry veteran Sanj Bairo, who talks about how to scale revenues to, of more than one billion and what Irish tech firms can learn from this. So Sanj, um, the whole area of scaling uh, tech companies, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got seven unicorns in Ireland, of which one of them you work for is Intercom. And the story behind Intercom, a uh, group of Irish guys in San Francisco started Intercom. Uh, I, I met one of the co-founders a few years ago and, and what we were talking about a lot of time was customer success and the, the mission seems to have moved on quite a lot now where I'm hearing a lot about no code and low code coming into it. Uh, it it's really kind of like Intercom is becoming uh, a mainstream business tool in a lot of ways, uh, at least to my eyes, in the sense of helping companies achieve uh, what they want to do in terms of customer management, customer success. Uh, your pa- your background is you worked at Salesforce, uh, where you where you spent about fourteen years in various sales and leadership roles. And what really you're doing now is taking Intercom from being a two hundred million dollar a year company to breaching that that elusive one billion mark. Tell us a bit about that, uh, about how you, um, how you, how you're going to help Intercom do that. Sure thing. Uh, well, thanks, John, and it's great to be here as well. So thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, I, I think you sort of, uh, I, I thought, I think you nailed it, right? I think Intercom started with four, four guys that had a very simple problem to solve, which was, you know, how can you make inter- internet business more personal? And, and that was 11 years ago. So it's hard to, uh, to imagine that Intercom, we've just celebrated our 11 year anniversary and 11 years on from those uh, four guys really thinking about how they can do that, how they can create personal experiences in what is more and more of a, a digitally led business environment um, is kind of what we've been doing and, and what we continue to do. And since then, We've grown to, to have uh, uh, circa 1,000 employees, 25,000 customers. We're in 140 countries, and we have somewhere over 600 million active end users interacting with our service. So the, uh, the products uh, and the problem that they were solving with the products has been doing incredibly well. And it's really kind of, uh, for anyone that doesn't know Intercom, it's, it's essentially that, uh, that messaging tool that 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 conversational tool that you see in a lot of web services of your bank uh, your delivery company your piece of software that you're using that allows you to interact with that company in personal contextual uh, ways and timely ways really kind of taking away from the old world of uh, digital communication which was traditionally via email even via phone you know in siloed ways uh, the problem that Intercom really solves is really how you create really strong customer experiences that allow uh, that allow you to engage with your customers in proactive, personal, and contextual ways uh, through a messenger-first experience. And yeah, absolutely, we're on that journey, growing from 200 million, um, uh, hopefully to to a billion in the next few years. You know, by by taking that message and taking those solutions to to new companies, new segments, new industries, 
uh, across uh, new geographies as well. And certainly we're in the midst of that that, that growth and scale. Uh, one of the things I used to enjoy doing was traveling across Europe and going to various startup festivals. And, you know, while, while I was doing that, I used to go and visit a lot of startup hubs and software companies, companies that are on their way to being something big. And you know, I used to enjoy walking around sometimes the offices and see looking at screens and I'd see Intercom there on the screen on, on a lot of these laptops of, of, of startups around Europe. And, you know, it, it really was exciting and kind of slightly intoxicating to see that, you know, that kind of kind of sense of momentum. Um, but what was it that about Intercom that attracted you from, from you know, an established giant like Salesforce? Because funnily enough, Salesforce, you know, we're, we're talking about 2022 now, but like, in the year 2000, I remember they, they set up their first office in Dublin and I remember visiting them and they were in this little office in the attic of a building called Powerscourt down in South Dublin. And again, you know, and then, and then a, year, a few years later, they, they'd, they'd be in the same building as Microsoft and they'd have stickers all over the wall saying software is dead. <laughs> and... Um, but 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 the the thing is they 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 are now like so so massive. But like moving from Salesforce to to Intercom again, I mean you know when you, massive is relative to a lot of people. If if you said to me working in a two hundred million euro company a year, you know I still think that's massive. So you know, but moving moving from some to say a juggernaut like Salesforce to a to to a fast scaling company like Intercom, what was attracted you to Intercom? Uh, well. But there's there's a lot of similarities actually. So uh, those days uh, in Powers Court, I joined just after a Powers Court, uh, but I interviewed there. I remember um, and Salesforce at that time, which was around sort of two thousand four, two thousand five, for me was um, still a pretty small company. It was like under five hundred million. It's it was just at the point of IPO. May have just IPO'd. Uh, probably circa a thousand employees, maybe a bit more. So the the size wasn't that different, and the the similarities as well in the simplicity of the problems that Salesforce uh, and Intercom now are, are solving. For Salesforce, it was why can't business applications be as easy to use as as Amazon? And Amazon at that time was this, you know, web first, zero client, easy to set up service that was very personalized and gave you what you needed. Uh, in a very simple format, that wasn't the world that existed for business applications in 2004, 2005, where everything was client-server, heavy implementations, you know, a bit unwieldy and not that integrated. And, and Salesforce did an incredible job at solving those problems and then building that scale uh, around that model uh, as they as they continue to uh, to grow. And I, I would suggest that Intercom is, is somewhat similar. It's, it's solving a problem that... Uh, many companies face, which is how do I engage my customers over the right channels with the right message at the right time? And uh, that's hard to do right now because there's so much sort of technical debt. Systems are still sitting within silos. You know, It's very, very difficult to create the customer experience that you want. Um, and in today's world, customer experience and loyalty is so important. So you can very quickly lose a customer if they have a bad experience because they have to come in via email uh, and they have to work with, you know, three different people and share their problem with three different people. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. And that's the problem that Intercom is facing. And so that I see a lot of similarities and it's just a very exciting time to to be at Intercom. It's really at the the, the time and place where it's looking to, to, as a company, looking to grow and scale 
and um, really be seen as the customer engagement platform for its core customers. And uh, that's only where we're going and what we want to, to build out as a company. It's interesting adage in business that it's, it's, it's easier to keep a customer uh, than it is to win a new one. Uh, and you're better off keeping your customers happy. And, you know, interestingly, uh, the entire everything that the wings that any, any business flies upon is the sales and how you sell. And it's interesting that, you know, both companies you've worked for are instrumental to helping companies sell. But here you are uh, helping a company that's helping people in the company sell and you're helping it to win bigger customers, uh, bigger deals. So, so getting to from 200 to 1 billion will mean cutting different kinds of deals. So let's see, will that require Intercom to have a whole set of new or different disciplines and how it goes about what it does? Yeah, I think so. Certainly uh, evolving its capabilities to serve mid-market and, and enterprise customers um, because for, for an SMB customer, they it, that, that may be a more sort of product-centric type of uh, sell. You know, they may be looking for a, a product to solve a particular uh, issue that they have and you know speeds and simplicity may be the key objectives and success criteria of, of that uh that customer experience right of, of them utilizing intercom for a mid-market enterprise customer i think it, it becomes more complex there's there's multiple different buyers that have different expectations uh there's uh, a technical landscape and stack that you need to integrate uh in with you need to define value. There's incumbency in the vendors uh, as well. So you have to either integrate or replace incumbent vendors, which again is another layer of complexity. So there definitely is a shift in the motion and, and certainly having industry relevance, uh, having good benchmarking and being able to help work with your, with your buyers, your stakeholders and understanding how they can realize value in the fastest way uh, is is really what makes the difference, certainly in terms of our motions when we deal with mid-market enterprise customers versus SMB customers. And that's the thing. I mean, the challenge of, of scaling Intercom from 200 to a billion annual revenue a year company, I mean, in, is that going to be a product challenge or a recruitment challenge? Because the technology, I mean, the guys are whizzes. A lot, a lot of the great software development for for Intercom happens in Dublin. Um, the, I, I, I think, I think the technology is great, but we're also at a time also when, uh, first of all, there's a skills shortage going on, or, or you know, despite all the talk of of, of a looming recession and uh, everything else, um, the the reality is that. Good tech people are still hard to find, but I'd also say good salespeople. People people don't talk enough about sales talent. So do 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 you see it being a product challenge or a or a sales talent challenge? I think uh, I think it's a challenge right across the the spectrum. Right? I think that challenges and opportunities on the side. I would suggest there's also product uh, challenges and opportunities uh, on the go to market side for sure on the the talent side and. Uh, it's a, I think it's more sort of deep rooted in the in the almost of the cultural shift that any company is going through as they sell. Because what got you here isn't necessarily what's going to get mm. you there. Yeah. So you have to sort of think about from a talent perspective, well, what is the type of talent that I need to get me to where I want to get to? But I also want to bring that talent in without sort of disrupting all the things that got us to where we got to right now. Hmm. 
And that's going to be sort of a constant challenge uh, as you grow and scale. But I think the base is always going to be in talent and the people that you hire. They understand the mission uh, and they're bought into that mission. And I think uh, there's more opportunity now to be more discerning and thoughtful about the talent that you want to bring into the organization. And certainly I think for, for any company right now, it's about making sure that you have the right talent, not just for what you need right now, but also for where you want to get to. That's that's very true because when you think about Intercom and and, and many companies like it, even uh, Slack, which was acquired by Salesforce, the what got them there to a certain point was you know a level of word of mouth, a number, a level of the freemium model where people tried it out and then more people bought used it. They bought licenses that that carries you, uh, it gains you traction, gets you known. But when you're when you're at a level where you're going from two hundred million to one billion, I I imagine it's far more consultative. Uh, model um, the cost per sale is probably more expensive it's a different you're just selling at a different scale right uh, absolutely and uh, and therefore you may need uh, different capabilities and different um, uh, 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 different type of talent uh, to help come in and help you get to where you want to get to but I think a lot of it's almost defining the the company that you want to become and how you get there so uh, as you said, yeah, sure, if you want to double in size and double in size again over the next few years, without really defining that, it's hard to understand actually what you need. Because if that is a strategy, then you can very quickly then, once you've written that out, benchmark your existing capabilities and the existing talent that you have and think about, well, is that the talent that we need to get to where we need to get to? So it provides that clarity uh, around type of talent that you need to bring into your organization but also helps articulate to potential hire why they should join you guys as well because they they want to they want to buy into the vision (laughs) yeah and also helps with a tougher uh conversation because the natural instinct as you grow in scale of course is to bring all of your talent up with you so to be able to say actually you know no maybe we need to bring external talent here because this is a gap you know, you need to really understand and have that clarity uh, around the company strategy to help you understand where those gaps are so you can make that right decision. Less of sort of almost like the the recency bias that you might have or the loyalty that you may have to bring people up throughout your org. And that's a tough decision to make. What does the 21st century business salesperson look like uh, in terms of competencies and skills when you think about it? If, if they're selling, whether it's at a level of somebody who's working in a say an intercom of 11 years ago um let's just say they're, they're, they have the same ambitions today or you know the, the, the kind of people that you're taking on in terms of the competencies the skill sets the ways they work i mean everybody used to think you know the old adage you never got fired for buying ibm and uh if you bought into the the old way the tech world work you'd imagine a lot of people in blue suits marching around the place um, jumping on planes and you know signing big deals with oil companies and god knows what the the 21st century salesperson in a world of sustainability and a world of, you know, cloud where, where you know, <clears throat> it, you know, a, a simply, you can simply download the app onto your phone in a moment. Uh, you know, what, what's the 21st century salesperson really look like in terms of what, what you'd hire and uh, what they should have, if it, even whether it's a startup or it's, or it's a company of intercom scale? Yeah, well, when I think about 
our most successful reps uh, in Intercom and in previous organizations that I've worked for, I think the commonality is always the fact that they really center and they're passionate about providing the right outcomes for their for their customers. They they almost have a passion for it because it's kind of what their what their reputation is built on, making their customers successful and uh, and achieving the right outcomes for their their customers. They also have like high levels of personal accountability and expectation on what they want to deliver and why, and then the how of how they're going to get there. So having that personal purpose of what they want to achieve uh, and then being accountable for the plan to do that, I see in every successful salesperson that, that I that I work with. And then the other piece is they have this really deep understanding of the company, the products and the and the propositions. And uh they 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 go deep into the product. They're not afraid to do that, and and they do a lot of work to ensure that they understand their customer issues and they can articulate how to match uh, their product with the customer issues. And then the final piece, as I said at the start, is that they care. They care deeply about their customers' success, and they they really care deeply about building relationships that that last. Because I think uh, great salespeople are always understanding that it goes beyond the transaction, that if they make their customer successful, their customer's probably going to want to do business with them again, their company again for sure, but probably with them personally uh, in years to come. And also, of course, their customer is going to talk about uh, the great work that they've done. So I think there's that there's the value that you get from really caring about your customer's success um, that goes beyond just the transaction, right? And I think that's what great, they're, they're kind of like, I wouldn't say so much competencies, but they're certainly behaviors. And I think all salespeople need to be, uh, have high IQ, certainly very high EQ. They need to have uh, headroom and potential and purpose and ambition, but they also need to be highly adaptable because what customers want and how you sell to customers from, from one day or one month to another it's changes. Customer expectation is always evolving and how they want to be sold to is is always shifting. Thankfully, that's what makes the role so interesting. So I think also from a competency point of view, beyond sort of the fundamentals of track records and you know IQ, being able to solve problems and having high EQ uh, and good ambition and potential, being able to adapt being really thoughtful and being able to adapt to the customer and the changing environment is super important. And like the habits of successful teams in when it comes to software, but when or sales teams, I, I sometimes think of the you know the, the worn out cliches of sales meetings being like something like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, or always be closing <laughs> these cliche named terms. But what are the habits of successful sales teams? If you were talking to a startup today, what habits would you say that must instill in their sales organization? And, and and transcend being a startup and go to be a scale-up? Yeah, well, so it's a, it's a great question. Uh, for me personally, I'm a big planner. So I, I need to understand if the end goal is X, uh, what are the, the, the different components that make that up? What are the inputs to get there? Whether that be your pipeline, your productivity, uh, the number of new logos, uh, your average deal size. I need to understand those components. And then I need to sort of then be able to manage the inputs to get to those components. So 
I, I like to spend a lot of time sort of uh, focusing on understanding what the, uh, the the end goal is, the strategy, the North Star, and then really working on sort of the, the plan to get there. And then then really simplifying that down for your for your sales team to say, hey, we need to we need to close this many transactions, and therefore we need this much pipeline. Uh, we need to have this uh, much of a conversion rate. Uh, we might need to increase that. Our average deal size may need to get bigger, and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, and the more sort of succinct you are in that 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 planning and that messaging and the consistency around that, because uh, in today's world, you're, there's going to be lots of noise. You know, when you're working in a scale-up, there's going to be lots of distractions and lots of things that take up your time. Being able to focus to say, how am I doing on the inputs? We said we're going to increase our deal size by this. How are we going to gauge that? Uh, and then, of course, if we're not doing what we need to do, then the ability to very quickly find that gap and then calibrate against that, which is either to, to do more meaningful work to increase the average deal, or to sign more net new logos because the average door size isn't where we need it to be. So, you know, just building the plan and breaking it down into component parts, focus, focusing on the inputs, and then the, the tools and mechanisms that you have to drive those inputs and just making it simple and re- uh, repeatable, I think, are the main components. Well, with that, Sanj, thank you so much for your time. That was fantastic. Uh, Sanj, who is going to basically take and uh, will help Intercom go from 200 to 1 billion in the next couple of years. Let's see how that plays out. Thanks very much, Sanj. Thank you very much.